Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined Lauren and Henry as today we zany young adults go and seek the face of Christ in the midst of today's crazy and mixed up world. And gosh, this world is pretty doggone crazy, and it takes a lot of courage to face this world. So our topic today is, is that virtue of courage, which I think is uh, multifaceted and something that's very needed both in our professional life in our romantic life, and, you know, it takes a lot of courage to ask someone out on a date or to be honest with a, a fiance, you know, and it takes uh, a lot of courage just to live out the faith in today's world. So let me first ask, um, what is your comfort zone? Like, what, what do you find outside of your comfort zone? If you've ever been asked to do something, you're like, this is really tough. I don't know if I can do this. I was told, Henry, that you went skydiving. No, I've never been skydiving. I, was it uh, bungee jumping? No, I've been learning to um, to power paraglide over the last few weeks. Well, para- paraglide, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Does that take a lot of courage? It did. It, it's actually, it's it's taking more courage than I anticipated that it would. I um, <laughs> so I'm 23 now, and I've uh, I've had this dream of paragliding since I was probably like 10 or 11 years old. So probably like over half my life, I've just been dead set on learning how to do this. As soon as I was able to, and uh, now I'm finally at a stage of my life where I'm able to do this, and. Uh, I think I had hyped it up so much in my head that I hadn't really considered how scary or terrifying it was going to be. So I think the the first time I um, my, my instructor has this winch, so he would pull me across his field with a winch to launch me into the sky while I was harnessed into the wing. And I think the first time he did that, he it, it's it's a very fast process. He just hooks you up to the winch and then he he pulls you very quickly across the field. And so I got shot up into the sky, probably like 150 or 200 feet above the the level of the ground. And I was just literally hanging there by a, by a three-point harness. Like it goes over my chest and then around my legs. So I, I look down while I'm this high in the sky. And I think, oh my God, like there's, I'm not standing on anything. I'm not sitting on anything. I'm just strapped into this harness. And there's just nothing but air between me and the ground. And there's nothing I could do. I couldn't go down to the ground more quickly. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go up higher. I was just floating there in the air. And then it occurred to me, you know, I can either, um, I can either panic or I, or I can stay calm. And then I realized panicking wasn't really an option because there's nothing I could do. So I just had to take a deep breath, stay calm, and just listen to my instructor over the radio and follow his instructions and then come in for a landing. Wow. So were you able to enjoy it? Oh, yeah. It was so calm? much fun. Yeah. I get such a big dopamine rush doing it. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Paragon. Wow. That's, that's, I would love to do that someday. <laughs> it's probably outside of my comfort zone. You think so? And most people's. Yeah, to not have anything under your feet, I think is, that's got to be really strange. Yeah, it was, because you're so used to just standing on solid ground all the right. time. Right. And like you said, it's an immediate, you no longer have control. Yeah. And we just are, I think a lot of us are ordered to want to control everything. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So. It really is amazing, like how how much we are capable of if we can, if we can just overcome the battle inside of our own head. Yeah. Yes. Amen. So what, so what else is outside of your comfort well, zone? Well, what about skydiving? Would you do that? I would love to, yeah. I would, in fact, when I, when I was in college, I was going to go as soon as I turned 18, and then, it, and, then I, and then like winter came, and it was going to be expensive, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet, but I definitely plan on doing it in the next couple of years. <laughs> I think I would do it. I haven't had an opportunity where like people I really care about have asked me to do it. I think that's you what it would it, take. Should we do it? Okay. All right, let's go. <laughs> oh, I'll go, with go. We're going to do a restless oh skydiving gosh. I guess it's on. I mean, yeah. So for me, things like that are like, yes, it's scary and it's thrilling, but 
like you know it's safe because people do it all the right. time. So like I can use my reason there to be like, yeah, I I, I could do that. Well, It'd reason sometimes awesome. doesn't function when we're faced with mortal danger. Well, in that case, well, there's two options, right? You can do the tandem mm-hmm. or go solo. I no, I don't I think, think any to, place would let you go solo. Think you I have think to you, do tandem. I think you yeah. have to be licensed and you have to do a bunch of tandem jumps before you're before you'll be allowed okay. to go solo. When I was in college, I felt like people I knew went and did it. And I thought it was like, you took a longer course to go solo. Oh, okay. But I don't Might, know. Maybe. That could have been wrong. Because that's the thing that makes me feel uncomfortable is being strapped to another human being right on my back. <laughs> weird. For five minutes well, or I think the 10 minutes, however long you have to, um, some people do, they get so overwhelmed that they'll actually like pass out or maybe even like have a minor heart attack while they're doing, while they're, while they're free falling. So if you, if you're incapacitated while you're falling solo, you're not oh, going to be able to deploy yeah. your parachute and your your toast. Yep, that's <laughs> that's that would be rough. That's why you have <laughs> to go tandem. That makes in my sense. understanding. Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> yeah, I know things like that. It's like you think about it. I could live my whole life without doing that, but how amazing may it be? You know, if I did do it, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like how thrilling! What an well, awesome a, experience. As a very wise friend of mine once said, "Bad decisions make good stories." That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, to doing me, crazy stuff like that. <laughs> right. To me, it's um. It's always a question of what's holding me back and you know, what am I really scared of or how much more satisfying or fulfilling would my life be to me if I were able to overcome this thing in front of me that I'm scared of. And I feel like that's, mm. that's kind of the way I've been oriented most of my life. I feel like there's just kind of been a progression of decisions and ways that I've challenged myself that have taken, that have gradually expanded my zone of comfort. Well, you moved halfway across the country from Missouri to here in yeah. Connecticut. I mean, that's takes a heck of a lot of courage. Yeah. Lauren just moved one town over. <laughs> well, I did go to Ohio State. Yeah. Oh, that's true. And I that's had true. no qualms about it. I was so excited and ready. I was the only person I knew going there. I wow. didn't know anyone there. That didn't phase me at all. Wow. And then I never really came home. So I, <laughs> I had a blast. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. That is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Some was, other moments that stick out to me, uh, one particular, I've been to Israel twice, but the first time going, I was nervous because, you know, you hear a lot of things that it may be dangerous. Um, and I went by myself, actually. I flew oh, wow. there by myself. Wow. Yeah, I volunteered nice. at a nonprofit called Ultimate Peace that brings together kids in Israel who are segregated, you know, because of the government, how things are there, um, but they come together for a camp for Ultimate Frisbee and the sport teaches them conflict resolution because you self-referee mm. and that's, you know, like the broader concept of we could all get along, right? Wow, very cool. Um, and then they just get to interact with kids that they otherwise never would and have fun and it's a camp and you're playing spirit games and doing silly things with them. But I had to go there by myself Um which I don't know. I would think most people would not do that, right? Fly to the Middle East yeah. alone. But so I worked out my flight and uh, it. I had a connecting flight to Toronto and then Toronto to Tel Aviv. And I got on the plane and then two guys, you know, about my age went and sat right behind me. And I could tell from what they were wearing that they were ultimate Frisbee players. Perfect. So it's like, God provides, you know, <laughs> like I did this on my own, but here are people. And then we made our way from Tel Aviv down to Escalon, that's where the camp was. So we even had to take a train, you know? Mm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm willing to, like, take the step. I mean, I flew to <laughs> I flew to Madrid in March of 2020 when Madrid was a hotspot for COVID. Yeah. Everyone was telling me don't go, that's you know? But there's, yeah, I think, I don't know, if it's God's will or if you're, you're intentional in a good way, like, 
you have the inner reassurance that yeah. your friends and family do not have, and they will never understand it. Yeah. It's like, do you have the courage to follow through? Or are you going to listen to what everybody else says? Right. Yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah. I'll say there's a couple of things that are outside my comfort zone. Uh, one is, I was, I'll mention three that kind of come to mind. One was, um, one is I have this very bizarre phobia of bears, <laughs> which is I love to camp and hike. And, but well, it's think not that, that bizarre. From? Because you could encounter a bear, right? I, I could, but I mean, like legitimately on the East Coast, there's not that many, there, there's black bears and you can scare them off pretty easily. They're not like grizzlies, which will actually attack you and maul you to death, but black bears won't do that usually. So like, it's not, it's not really a rational fear of bears. Okay. Like, is it rooted in some sort of experience you had when you were younger, do you think? Or is it just um, not really innate? No, oh. just, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but. But, but I think a bigger thing, which is outside my comfort zone, is now that I'm a pastor, I've had to make some difficult calls and, and have some very difficult conversations. And, and I dread having difficult conversations with people where you know it's not going to go well and you, you, you just know it's going to be conflict. And mm-hmm. I think it's probably out of most people's comfort zone, but you, know, you have to do it. You have to kind mm-hmm. of put your head down and just say, for the good of the parish, I have to sit down with you and talk to you about this, that, or the other thing. And, do you know what you are on the Enneagram, Father Joseph? No, I don't, you know, I've heard the Enneagram is kind of new agey. I don't really get into that. Well, I don't know. I've I've actually, there's, there's a, there's a Catholic pastor that I like a lot who, who really likes the Enneagram. So he's done a lot of work on it. And the reason I ask is because I, I wonder if you and I kind of have similar temperaments because we both, sounds like we both, you know, love the outdoors and nature. Like I know for myself, I am a peacemaker on the Enneagram. So that means um, one of the things that is most outside of my comfort zone is conflict. But I think, like you said, uh, it is important to realize that you do have to have these difficult conversations for the good of your parish. And you just have to like rationally compartmentalize and say, this is not going to be fun. But if I don't do this difficult thing, it's going to leave the people I care for worse off. Right. So, right. So you just have to buckle down and do it. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's like that with so many things in life. And people have different things that are outside of their comfort zone. Some people, really enjoy conflict. Some people, it does not phase them. So that wouldn't be outside of their comfort zone. But for, for some people, it's other things, like maybe being by themselves. Maybe some people are scared of yeah, being by themselves. And definitely. You can't handle isolation or they can't handle solitude. And conversely, I think there's some people that can't really, that's outside their comfort zone to, you know, um, take a step in a relationship. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I just, I just think about the nerves I felt when I called the vocations director for the first time. Mm. Oh, wow. You know, like, oh my gosh. Like, How old were you? Um, well, I, you know, uh, I was probably 16 years old, actually. Wow. I called him up. and It's a very courageous thing for a 16-year-old. Yeah, you're do. like, what, what, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, what if my friends found out? Or like, what do you say? Like, I want to be a priest. Like, who knows how that's going to go? Yeah. Did your parents know that you were making that call? You know, I can't remember, to be honest, if it was a call or an email. Emails, are, of course, are a lot easier than a yes, call. Yes, they are. But I do remember uh, when I came to this diocese in Bridgeport uh, back in 2011, I do remember calling and I do remember being very nervous because I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. This person didn't know me from Adam. Wow. So which, which diocese were you coming from? I was coming from Baltimore. Okay. Born and raised in Baltimore. Okay. Very cool. But yeah. So in today's world, do you, I mean, do you find in your job, I mean, you you work at a mechanical engineering factory, right? <laughs> yeah. So what, 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 is, what does your company do? What do they do, actually? We, uh, we make photolithography equipment for the semiconductor industry. So we make these giant, complex photolithography machines that are like the size of a large room that we will then sell to the largest chip makers in the world, and they will use our machinery to make computer chips. Wow. 
That's very specified. It's, yeah, it's very, it's a very, it's very niche. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I don't know if I don't know if you find this. I, mean, I know Lauren has kind of talked about the the courage needed to be a Catholic in a world that's often very woke, a world that's often very hostile. I yeah. If your business finds that, or if you're even just like social groups, or certainly when you were in high school, right? Yeah, I do think there is kind of a current of that of this you know, new ideology that's floating around. And I've definitely noticed it within the company where I work too. Uh, I would say it's, I haven't really found like that I've had to compromise myself on what I believe or what I've had to do since I've worked there. I just think it- Or even back in like high school and college, I don't know if- um, Still any, not any really. Peer pressure? Wow, that's great. Not really. What, what I would say about the workplace though, is I think it's just, it's kind of a shame because I think- uh, people know that we live in such a politically divided and polarized world that people really can't bring their full selves to work, really, no matter where you fall on the spectrum. I feel like people, there, there's like so many topics and the list is increasing that are just kind of off limits when you're in a, hmm. when you're in a work setting. So I, I feel like because of that, it makes me less able to connect with my colleagues in what I would consider a meaningful way. And I, That's it, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very true. Yeah, it's it's just been it's left me longing for more from from the people at work. Yeah. Do your colleagues know about all the Catholic social events you attend and things um, you're part of, them, of? Some of them do. I think some of them don't just because I don't think they would really care to know. I don't I don't think it's a I don't think it's the kind of thing where if somebody knew it would be a big problem. I just think it's not really a point of interest for a lot of them. Hmm. Well, what about you, Lauren? I mean, you've you've certainly faced some you know challenges and courageously trying to live out your faith. Yeah, I would say your work environment is a big factor, right, in what you're able to do. So I used to be at a large corporation, and people know about me, you know, so they know I'm doing Catholic stuff, let's say. Um, but in my inner friend group at that large company, you know, I I'm their friend and they're my friend, so I would be delicate, I would say. But in those kinds of circumstances. Um, with people who aren't practicing, who have no faith, who weren't raised in the faith, who aren't sure. I know I have answers that I could give them, but it's not up to me to just, you know, this is why you should believe, right? It's very delicate mm. and it, it's up to them to ask a question and then, you know, ask a question back to try to understand them, see where they're coming from. Um, I love doing that. And uh, my last company was very small. I was the only Catholic and... You know, I told one person like about something I was doing and then he accused me of being in a cult, you know, and like I know it's a joke, but it's like, it's, Ooh, it's like that, harsh. that line. It's like, I'm not sure I want to tell you that I'm going to record my podcast or that I'm going on a retreat this weekend or that I'm running a young adult event or that I have youth group. Right. But I do want to open up to you all because I see you every day for eight hours a day. Right. You know, and then it's just, and then you just don't know how people view you after that because yeah. they have a perception of the Catholic Church that is probably not accurate. Right. Mm. Um, and then in my most recent company now, it's another small office, you know, like maybe 12 people, and several of them are Catholic. So this is new for me. But are they practicing? It doesn't seem like it. Where are they at? I don't know. But I remember you told us on an episode not too long ago about having the courage to talk to your, your uh, carpool ride right. about the rosary, right? Yes, which I did not do. I did not, <laughs> I did oh, not I thought you were going to do it. I thought you did. No, you wanted me to, but I did not do it. Oh, you um, didn't? Oh. No, I'm still trying to gauge, 
where she's at. And one of our most recent conversations was she went with her friend and that friend's children to Salem as like a Halloween thing. And the kids dressed up and I'm like, what, what all were you doing there? You know, oh, we went to the museum. I go to the museum site and it like says right on it, like, you know, uh, the Salem witch trials. (laughs) Um, I don't know what the number is. I don't recall all the people that were killed, but they were falsely accused right and and killed unjustly and i just wanted to tell my friend at work witchcraft is real and she couldn't get it she could not understand that i'm like there are demonic forces right there are angels and demons Mm -hmm. there are people who are trying to channel something evil yeah this is real this is actually happening and it to her it was all oh it's halloween it's (laughs) and i'm like no it's real it has always been real yeah. From well, uh, beginning of time, right? People yeah. have consorted with different spirits and things. And our faith is firmly against this. I'm not sure you're aware of that. <laughs> what amazes me how few people are aware of that. I wrote a bulletin article a couple of weeks ago about uh, the dangers of Reiki. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I had two parishioners come up to me and say, I had no idea that was wrong. I've wow. practiced it. Wow. Yeah. Well, like, we aren't what? telling our own people. We aren't saying it really in the church much well, you are that's good but you don't ever hear these things yeah but i'll tell you that that gets a lot of weird looks anytime i talk about the devil <laughs> i can tell the skepticism on my parishioners face, faces sometimes oh that's great keep going well, <laughs> i keep talking about the devil more and more i mean i, I think it's hard to ignore his presence well <laughs> yes world, I, you know? I feel like i keep saying it the devil is constantly tempting us oh, right yeah. away from the good away from god's will even on my last retreat something that came up was you know, God has a will for for each of us, and one of the ways that He can pull us away from that will is by filling us with other things that seem good, but they aren't actually God's will. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, that could be me, right?" I'm asked <laughs> to do things all the time, so then I I realized, well, I need to be more intentional, right, and really put things into prayer. Like, is this what God wants, or is this a distraction from His actual will, right? Because if I if you I are don't... too doggone busy. <laughs> It's it's hard because in the beginning you're like I just want to say yes I want to serve I can help my community, but where where do I really need to be Where does God need to be And so anyway the devil is tempting us constantly So I'm I'm just saying it to people like my friends and um, it is funny like what you're saying the way they look back at you But it's like well I know I'm right Like I know the devil is tempting you Well still. that that I think takes courage <laughs> to say even things like that You know I'm being I'm being tempted Thank you Yeah. yeah. So, so what a, do you have any uh, like examples of courage that kind of inspire you? Any people in your life, or saints, or biblical heroes? Or? Um, yeah, I really like the example of my confirmation saint is Saint Francis of Assisi, and I just think he was mm. he was so courageous in the way that he lived his life because he took a step away from the from the society in which he was born, and he rejected his family's wealth and status, and he even. Mm. Even um, traveled to the Holy Lands at a time where it was very hostile towards Christians, and he consulted with uh, with the leaders in that part of the world and earned their respect. So that that yeah. to me just so, shows so much courage. So that's uh, it's been a big it's been a big uh, inspiration. So uh, kind of like for me too, Lauren. I traveling has been something where probably like the biggest area in my life where I have um, pushed myself. It's like to to start with when I was sixteen, I. Um, I spent the summer working on a cattle ranch in Nebraska as a, as a, as a ranch hand. 
so I spent the entire summer away from my family. Uh, and that was like the longest I had been away from home and it was so scared to do it. I drove, I drove to a place like eight and a half hours away all by myself when I was 16. And I just lived out there for the whole summer and I was working outside alone every day. Wow. It was hard. It was, it was, uh, it was very difficult. What an experience. Yeah. yeah so I, I even took like five days and I, I took my four wheeler in the bed of my truck and I, I drove, I went to Colorado and I just camped in the bed of my truck and I rode my four wheeler up to the Continental Divide. And so I just kind of went and made this solo trip through the West by myself. At 16. Yeah. And your parents let you do that? Yeah, it's cool. I was the oldest <laughs> kid. Awesome parents. <laughs> I, was, I was the oldest kid and my parents always just kind of took this approach of like, uh, we're not going to stop you. Like we know we're not going to stop you from doing the things that you're going to do eventually. So we support you and, you know, please be careful and call us if you need anything, but we trust you. And I, wow. So that, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've earned their trust over 16 years up to that point. Yeah, and then, then two years later, it was kind of the same thing. I had always wanted to go to Africa, and so I. Oh my uh, gosh! So this is like after my freshman year of college, I uh, I'd always wanted to go to Africa, and I so I, I made this friend at college who was going to be volunteering there over the summer, and so I was like, hey, is there any way I could come visit you for a week? And he's like, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll meet you at the airport if you can if you can fly yourself there. And I didn't have any money, but I had a cow that I had been that um that i had earned from my internship in nebraska you had a cow so, that you had earned yeah so i sold <laughs> some that to, pay you in money but some people yeah. pay you in cows <laughs> right so i so i sold that to my dad and then from that i got the money to fly to africa how much does a cow go for it's a little over two thousand dollars two thousand dollars for a cow that's yeah. good money yeah so um so i used that to and like it was, oh my gosh it was the scariest thing i was i led, made this overnight flight for, i remember going from italy to ethiopia all by myself i was 18 years old and like Nobody on my flight speaks English. You know, everybody's going back to Ethiopia. And I just, I was like, what am I doing? Landing in a country where I don't speak the language. And I spent like three weeks in Africa, just kind of like hitchhiking around by myself. Hitchhiking? Yeah. Went to a few different countries. And then, so the next year I, I'd kind of did the same thing, but I spent like three weeks backpacking around South America. Uh, So I had, um, I had learned Spanish growing up. And so I, I spent two months that summer living with a Peruvian family and teaching English to university students. And then after that, I spent about three weeks just like doing a backpacking trip around the rest of, or a lot of South America. That's awesome. And then, and then to, I did a- Did you I go to Patagonia? A, no, I didn't make it down there. Amazon or? No. And then, so like the next step of that was, I'd always wanted to go to Mexico. And I was, I had people tell me, oh, it's dangerous, don't go to Mexico. But I'm like, there are neighbors to the South, I gotta go. So, so during the pandemic, I drove from Missouri all the way down across the border into Mexico. I spent about a month like driving around and visiting different places in Mexico and like camping out, staying with families along the way. And it was, it was like, such a like good families experience. you didn't even know. You just kind of yeah. went up and hola, yeah. como estas? And yeah. So like, like the, reason, the reason I share all that is just because I, I think if I hadn't done those things in that order, I would have been too scared to do the next thing. But it's, for me, it's always been a process of what's, what's something that I'm just a little bit too scared to do or what's something that I feel like I could do, but it's just a little bit outside of my comfort zone. I have to do that because I just, I, I can't, I think it'd be difficult for me to be satisfied with life if there were something that I was so scared to do that I just never made it a point to do. So it's, for me, it's been like a gradual progression of like, I'm going to take this trip and then this trip and then go there and do this. And that's kind of, that's kind of led to this paragliding experience next. It's been like, yeah, it's been a journey of gradually, like I said, expanding my comfort zone. And I, yeah, and so to, to get back to your question, I, I do find a lot of inspiration in the saints, uh, like especially like I was saying, St. Francis. There are so many amazing people like that in our faith tradition and even other traditions too, but especially in our faith tradition, who, 
you know, probably took risks that were much larger than the risks that I've taken. If oh, you look at yeah. it statistically, like so many people sacrificed everything, their lives, their families, their, their place in society for what they believed or for something that they felt called to do. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, some of the chaplains, the, the military chaplains who are up for canonization, Father Emil Capon, mm, yeah. who's from, I think, the Korean War. And then there's Father Vincent Capodano from the, uh, the um, Vietnamese War. And uh, there's also one who is Irish by the name of Father Willie Doyle. Mm-hmm. He's, I think, a servant of God right now. He was from World War One, from Ireland. And just the way in which, I mean, all three of those men were, were really, one was, I think, Emil Capon was arrest, uh, arrested and taken to a POW camp and eventually starved to death there. Vincent Capodano gave his life, you know, being shot at by a, a hail of bullets as he administered last rites on the battlefield. And I look at that, I'm like, you know, wow. that's, I live a very comfortable priesthood considering that, you know, no one's shooting at me. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, I know where my next meal is coming from. And I look, I, I wonder, and I think, I think God gives you the, gives you the grace in the moment. Like he's not giving me that grace because I'm not facing that challenge. So I don't have to wonder like, what would I do? Well, cause when, when I'm there, God will give me the grace. And you would do the same. I would hope, but I don't, know. Would. We know. I don't know. We know. You would. know, because you don't hear the stories about the chaplains that run away because I'm sure there are some. Yeah, but that, that's a good point that like you're, we, yeah, we do have free will and we have the choice to make a courageous decision or, or make a decision that's dominated by fear. And, you know, you're right. We don't hear the stories of those who were, of those who were cowards because they, they, they weren't able to realize the full potential that was in them and they, yeah. they weren't able to ma- make an impact on the world like these people who, who were courageous were able to do. I mean, really anybody that's made an impact on the world has had to have courage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's such a such a beautiful and important virtue that really is um, essential to living the life that we're called to live as Christians. So how do we grow then in this virtue of courage? I mean, I think for me, like I was saying, just identify something that's just outside of your zone of comfort and, you know, put things in action, put things in place to make sure that that's going to happen. Tell somebody that you're going to do it or um, get an accountability partner yeah. Or set a tangible goal for yourself, and then, or develop the habits in yourself to reach that goal. Uh, I think that's that's a really important thing to do. I think it's tough because, from what I can tell, it seems like we all have a good amount of courage. And I have not done anything near what Henry has done. But as a child, I was extremely timid and shy, so I couldn't speak in front of others. I couldn't raise my hand in class, even though I knew the answers. And I would have to tell myself, like, raise your hand because I wanted to get a good participation grade because I was going to get an A otherwise, you know, but that was like the hardest thing to just Mm. raise my hand and feel like I need to know exactly what I'm going to say. Like I couldn't read in front of people in religious ed, you know, because to read, it'd be like, I'd be reading ahead constantly in case I got picked on. And it's like that panic was already set in of like where your body gets hot and you're your, you know, your heart rate is elevated. Um, so anyway, that's kind of how I was when I was younger, but I've been able to overcome and I can sing publicly now. I do it at the young adult mass sometimes or in praise and worship, but Oh, most recently was at karaoke for Henry's birthday. Oh, that's right. It was so (laughs) (laughs) That was like my first time doing karaoke in years, but my first time I did that, was so hard like my heart rate was so high and even this most recent time my hand is shaking with the microphone in it 
Really? Yeah. Even though, I like that for me too. I I can you know the, so- the songs. The yes. words are right in front of you. Rolling in the deep. That's my go-to. People she did ask really me all well, the time. The I'll, I'll give a point to Laura. That was a, lot, that was a lot of fun. You did great. <laughs> Thank you. But it's like the, the fear is still there. You know, mm, yeah. it's there every time that I go to do something. Yeah. But it's like Henry is saying, you know, do I want to challenge myself? Do I want to push forward? And I know you can retain your amygdala, correct? Yeah, you can. By leaning into the fear and yeah. then you get over it. So your your brain can respond to how you choose to behave, which I yeah. think is amazing. Mm. So we can get over our that fears. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's I see a clear divide. There are people who are open and willing to try and, you know, you may screw up. I mean, that was a huge thing for me of realizing no one's going to remember what I did or what I said. <laughs> And also, most people are focused on themselves more <laughs> exactly. than you. Even when you're the one in the front of the classroom or you're the one making the speech or the That's toast right. or whatever, they're still focused on them most That's of the right. time. You know, That's oh, yeah, that was a good speech, whatever. They don't remember it, you know. Yeah. But we are so focused on ourselves as well. But anyway, there are the people that are open and then the people that are so, so like, I could never do that. I could never speak in public. I could never, you know, I don't know, ask a girl out. Like, <laughs> there's, I don't know, how do we help those people? I mean, yeah, you can't, you can't, it's very difficult to jump from step one to step five. It's a lot easier to go from step one to step two. So I think it's just, true. you just have to go one step at a time and gradually expand your comfort zone, gradually build that confidence in yourself. And I think too, think, thinking logically about things, Yeah, definitely. right? Because a lot of times we blow fears out of way out of proportion, right? My yeah. fear about true. bears is kind of ridiculous. Like, <laughs> there's no, there's no point. Yeah. Like logically speaking, the, the likelihood of me seeing a bear and actually getting injured by it is so small. Yeah. You know, I've seen two bears in the wild. That's it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, and I've, I hike you know, every week. So. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you just kind of put all those fears. And so like, if you know, if someone's struggling to ask a girl out, you know, okay, well, what's the worst that could happen? She says, no. You're right. Does that change who you are? No. No. I mean, you're still loved by God and loved by your friends and family. Yeah. And I mean, all that means is that she is not the one for you. I mean, yep. and what could be the, best possible outcome she says yes right so i mean <laughs> so at least you find and... out because so many it goes both ways i think girls at least i wouldn't ask a guy out i'm not in that position but i've certainly been in a, a waiting pattern of like is something going to happen here or not because yeah. it seems like there's interest and um you wait so long that that can be very hard so at least from the guy's perspective right once you ask then you know right and i bet i bet most girls are flattered aren't they Sure. And like, if it's like, a nice girl, then she'll be nice about it. Like, oh, thank you so much. But, you know, whatever. If yeah. If, she, if like, she's mean you know, it, she, you probably don't want to be with her anyway. <laughs> That's right. a great point. That's a great point. So you've... Uh, and then you get over it too. You get over right. it so much faster. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well, I got to move on. So <laughs> so last, last quick question in the very little time we have left is that I think that following the Lord takes a heck of a lot of courage. Yeah. You know, why is that? And how can we have courage in, in our relationship with the Lord? I think the world is very opposed to what Jesus taught mm. and, and what the world wants you to pursue and and do. And Jesus's teachings are very clear in how he wants us to live and what's important to him. Um, and so living that out is not going to make sense, I don't think, to coworkers and family members who don't have the faith that you do. And people don't understand, you know, why are you spending time in prayer or why are you going on another retreat? You're considering going to Montana? I mean, that's like the, the next retreat I was asked to go wow. to. Really? in Montana. I don't know if I can make it happen, but <laughs> it doesn't make sense, you know, to, to anybody. But I don't know. If 
um, if we want to live out God's will, if we want to serve, if we want to help bring souls to heaven, you know, we have to stay close to Christ and do what he is leading us to do. But I think sometimes we're afraid of what he's asking us. Oh, totally. And, and you would go to pray and we're like, Lord, show me your will, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Show yeah, because me I want it to be this. Yeah. This is what I want for myself. So I hope your will aligns with mine. But we mm. know that we're wrong and we know that our human reason is limited and God's reason is infinite and better and he only leads us to joy. Right, right. I mean, I'm thinking, I was just thinking this past week, My, uh, I have an aunt and an uncle who are in their, I guess they're probably around 70, but both of them have such bad Alzheimer's that they're like, they can't remember anything. They can't remember their spouses or anything. And it, it runs in my family, like big time. And so I'm actually kind of afraid of that, afraid of having Alzheimer's in the future at some point, you know, probably not to, not too distant future. And I think to myself, Lord, if this is your will, I'm afraid how much this is going to cost. Right. Wow. You know, but, yeah. but trusting that his will really is our peace and our happiness. Yeah. Would that be his will though? I think for some like people. sickness? Yeah. I mean, that's how so else can you explain? Yeah, how else can you explain cancer? Well, isn't there will and permissive will? It's like God doesn't will it, but it happens. And then you can yeah. become sanctified in it, or the people who take care of you do. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But, I mean... I think that, I think there's always an opportunity for sanctification in, in anything in our life, whether it's what we consider a positive or a negative thing. There's always the grace of the opportunity for there to be sanctification. Yeah. And the fact that God doesn't actively stop it means that in some way it is mysteriously part of his will. Yeah. Right. And it costs I, us a lot. I think you make a really good point too, Lauren, that um, it, 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 you know, it does require a lot of courage to live out our faith in the, in the culture in which we live. And I think to answer your question, Father Joseph, about how can we cultivate that courage in ourselves I think one of the most important ways is surround ourselves with people who can encourage us, who can literally put courage into us mm. because um, it's so difficult to do anything that requires a lot of courage on our own. But if, we're, if we intentionally surround ourselves with, with our family and with our friends and with those who can encourage us to do the things that we know that we're called to do or th- that we really long to do, then that's like the, it's one of the greatest ways that we can strengthen our own courage. Yeah, that's definitely true. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of Restless. So my challenge for you is to, I think as Henry said it best, you know, find something that's just a little beyond your comfort zone. And with the grace of God and prayer and trusting in him, take that step and do it because then you'll find your comfort zone slowly starting to expand until in Christ we can do all things. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM or 103.9 FM. And wherever you get your podcasts, tune in next time. God bless. God bless.